Everybody deserves everything that happens to them. There's no excuses. Like Nick Saban would say, there is no escape. You are what you are because of something you did. And that thing for me was one time I took Yohimbe. Are you familiar with Yohimbe? I, I have no idea. No. No? Okay. So. I don't think so. Um, it, it's basically, uh, it's basically herbal Viagra, which I, at, at the time when I took it, I was, uh, I believe 24, thinking that, you know, <laughs> being an idiot, going, well, what could it possibly do? And if anyone out there has had this same experience, you know what it'll do, which is you can't leave your house for three hours easily. And that condition which you so sought, the thrilling excitement, uh, quickly fades to the deep concern over a possible ER visit. So that I deserved because I should have known, particularly taking twice the suggested dose. Because what could go wrong with an unlicensed supplement involving your penis? So you took a drug that made you unable to leave your house, and then you began a career writing on the Internet. That's exactly how that happened. I, because at a <laughs> These things work out just fine. At a certain point, your wife is no longer interested, and you, <laughs> you are left to your own devices. And that's when you start a sports blog. So kids... Trying to make it in that sports blog game. Here's what can, you do. That's all you do. Can that be your epitaph? At a certain point, your wife is no longer interested. <laughs> <laughs> at a certain point, those those who love you no longer love you. It's on a long enough timeline. <laughs> it's just yeah, on a long enough continuum. But you only did that one one day, right? Let's just say that there was an experiment and there was a set. And that that set was sufficient enough to consider it as uh, scientific results. All right. Well, let me, all right. Let me ask a different question. Did you did did your experience with this uh, particular supplement last less than three years? Like I said, I wanted to make sure <laughs> I'm pretty thorough. I want to make sure that things work. And uh, then I started a sports blog. Okay. What was you? So that's enough about me. What was your disastrous mistake, Ryan? Well, that's that's sort of what I'm alluding to. I mean, I, I went to law school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, and going to law school is one of the it's not like it's not like buying something on the Internet where you can say, oh, I was really drunk. I don't remember doing it. Oh, boy. Now I own a Komodo dragon. It's it's <laughs> something that you have to take several steps to do. And at any point along those steps, you can just say, nope, not going to do this. Um, but I can, I, I can think back and explain to you why I and pretty much everybody else goes to law school. The reason is do this. Do tell. Yeah. So uh, at least I, I, I was explaining this to somebody a while ago. I don't remember who. Hopefully it wasn't you guys. You know how when you were a, ch a kid, one thing that people really wanted to grow up and be was a marine biologist? Oh, yeah. That was like that, – that might be for about 30 years uh, worth of children. That's pretty much the, the like, the top-of-the-line career, right? Yeah. Right. Be Move to San Diego and teach dolphins things. Right, because you think it's just swimming around with whales and turtles and having fun in a boat all day. But that's yeah. not actually what being a marine bi biologist is like. That's the same sort of disconnect is what leads people to go to law school. They either watched Law and Order or maybe read a Scott Turow novel, and they have sort of assumed like, oh, well, being a lawyer is sort of sexy and fun and, you know, interesting. And it's really just a lot of bullshit that you don't – the same way that a marine biologist – may spend two years in a lab analyzing turtle poop, that's what you actually do as a lawyer. Is that is that what marine biologists do? Probably, right? There probably is a marine biologist who analyzes sea turtle feces. Takes Yohimbe again. Keep talking. <laughs> Keep talking. This is going places. This is going somewhere. I'm Go. listening. Go Maryland. I don't. Know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what was uh, what was yours, Jason? Well, I just want to point out we've combined um, turtle shit and academics, so that's pretty big ten. 
um, yeah, I was gonna say. Um, there, well, there's a long list of things I could choose from. Probably, technically, the dumbest thing I've ever did is probably some really Georgia shit. I, uh, uh, rode a motor scooter at 5 a.m. for no good reason and got in a wreck and broke my arm, shattered it in like four places, and then drove the thing back to where it came from. Um, that's, that's, technically, that's the dumbest thing I've ever done. Okay, well, I want to go ahead. I want to add the Georgia shit to it. Because what we're talking about now is merely a nocturnal, ill-advised foray on an unlicensed, I'm guessing, or at least not yours, motor scooter, right? Yes, both, both, yes. Okay, all right, so we're a little Georgia right there, violation of several traffic laws and basic sort of responsibilities of ownership. Um, were you intoxicated at the time? Uh, no, I, I was unhelmeted, not wearing shoes, and I don't believe I was wearing a shirt. Um, <laughs> okay, now we're not. Now we're doing this up. So you were more think, nude than not nude. Oh, yeah, by far. I think the fact that I I was uh, I was sober makes it even dumber. Hey, that does make it a little dumber. Where was this? What what community? Uh, this was in Woodstock, Georgia. Oh. Which, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's just say there are lots of trucks. Okay. Um, there there it's, it was a, a a a nicer subdivision. So you know, rich people they don't really care about running over uh, poor white kids. Um, you know, so, uh, probably the worst place in the world to just go, go doing this around at, I believe it was at four or 5 a.m. I'm, uh, I'm impressed. That's good. This is, by the way, uh, you know, a good 10 minutes into this, the shutdown full cast. Uh, I am Spencer Hall and joining me, Celebrity Hot Tub, a.k.a. Ryan. The worst AKA ever. But. AKA Ryan. Yeah, I like to do that backwards so we can introduce you as Celebrity Hot Tub and then give your bland name. Like, this is Wonder Bread, AKA Starch. And uh, SB uh, Nation, college football editor, writer, and Cobb County expert, Jason Kirk. Goddamn right. Uh, that's, uh, uh, we're going to talk about uh, tonight about a little bit about disasters. Because we have reached the point in the season where some harsh self-examination is due. Uh, but but we're not going to talk about our own teams. We're actually just going to make fun of yours. Um, I.e. teams that came into the season with hopes and dreams. And have watched them all spoil and die and crinkle up like a spider in a frying pan. Just Have you fried a spider? That is disgusting. Well... The OMB experiment had other side effects. <laughs> and apparently folk medicine gets really weird in Ecuador. Um, but we, I wanted to talk about a, a few of those. For instance, the, the disaster I'm fascinated with uh, happens to be Paul Feinbaum's appearances on uh, on game day because um, it's bad. Which I, I don't know if you've seen it. I don't know if you actually have the stomach to sit through it. But I do think everybody on the game day set wants Paul dead. Yeah, well, I, 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 it's, um, it's definitely exactly what I would envision if you were to tell me Paul Feinbaum is going to uh, be seated right in the middle of an otherwise prestigious and respectable program and just be himself, <laughs> just issue forth himself all over the place. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's being himself on purpose and, uh, Getting the exact reaction he's hoping for, which is it makes makes one squeamish to watch it. <laughs> I, I I kind of entertained by it, especially Desmond Howard, who who definitely doesn't appear to have been familiar with Paul Feinbaum's previous work at all. Um, just because he'll he'll engage him as if he's an actual uh, person making points. Like yeah. He doesn't he doesn't take him on like oh that's stupid. He just he engages him in an actual argument, destroys him in eight words. But it's just funny because Desmond Howard seems really amused by this creature that's been plopped in front of him. You know, what it's, it, 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 it sort of feels like to me, part of the visually uncomfortable uh, environment there is that Feinbaum is very clearly not used to being second fiddle. Nobody talks over him on his show. Nobody sort of directs the conversation, and he just sort of has to go along with it. It's kind of – it feels very much akin to watching, some like, a formerly great basketball player in, like, his 15th year go 
sign some veterans minimum contact contract with the Orlando Magic or something, and then jack up 30 shots a game while everybody else glares at him like, you old asshole, what are you doing? <laughs> By the way, that could be any number of Orlando Magic players. Yeah. Yeah, I described the entire history of the Orlando Magic after 1997 or so. That's extraordinary. Yeah, I, another really off-putting thing about the, the, the Paul Feinbaum experience thus far, his initial question that he'll ask, and then getting absolutely talked over and annihilated. Because you're right, he doesn't ever, he hasn't ever worked in an environment where he's going to be talked back at, right? His his setup has been, I will get a crazy person from the state of Alabama to talk. And then I will occasionally nod and go, mm-hmm. He has the best mm-hmm in the business. Can't take that away from him. And then um, and, and then let them talk themselves out. That's not what happens here. And the camera will pull back. And there are these big men in suits, right? Like, Pollock is now 130 pounds. But he's still, like, tall, <laughs> right? And he's just sitting there barely clinging to life with his all-juicer food, <laughs> which is like the least Gwinnett County thing ever. I'm convinced he can't actually go back to Gwinnett because they're like, he ain't even in, eating biscuits anymore, dang it. Um, but but that happens, right? And then you see Paul, and he just shrinks. He just gets smaller and smaller until he just looks like Salacious B. Crumb, just a puppet sitting on that little stool. Yeah, that's because, you know, he's familiar with the, uh, the, the weird mystique around SEC country, which... Desmond Howard is completely immune to. Yeah, like, I love it when he was in Washington because I know everyone in the stands sitting there at, you know, like, 8 in the morning when they're all, like, cranked off of craft beer and, like, semi-legal weed. They're just looking at him. They're like, dude, who is this Muppet? <laughs> who is this weird, dark Muppet who looks like, you know, Mr. Burns? Qualified Bob is the Dark Crystal. <laughs> Yeah, so that's that's my current disaster. Um, Ryan, who is yours? Um, my this 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 is kind of painful because you know I work I I spend a lot of time now at the New York SB Nation offices with Roger Sherman, uh, but my disaster has got to be uh, the Northwestern Wildcats. That's a good pick. Yeah. Now, go go on, go on. Sorry. Well, no, no, no. If you if you have thoughts or comments, please. Well, I was just going to say, are you, are you referring to the Northwestern Wildcats that went um <clears throat> undefeated in SEC play last year, sir? Yeah, yeah. Those, that would be the those same ones. Uh, Taking down Mississippi State <laughs> University and Vanderbilt University. Yeah, I, I, widely regarded to be the the top teams um in their regions of their states. In yeah. Nashville and Starkville, yes. I, in their uh, I don't know, man, Vandy, MTSU is right there every now and then. You That's know? true. That's it's true. only 25 minutes out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I forgot that Northwestern, because part of me was looking at this and saying, oh, well, Northwestern, you know, had this big climb when they started 4-0, but I forgot that they started the season ranked. So people thought, based on last year, based on, you know, that sweet Gator Bowl victory, that Northwestern was ready to make some noise. And they are four and five right now. And they very, like, there's a very realistic chance that they don't make a bowl game this year. Because they're, they're, they're not going to beat Michigan State. Uh, they probably will beat Illinois, but they also might not because everything is going terrible for Northwestern right now. And also because um, Tim Beckman has made it his life's goal to beat Northwestern. He's, well, he's yeah. established this this weird rivalry that nobody but him cares about. <laughs> like he refuses to wear purple. And I don't. I, I wonder what he calls Northwestern because he can't call them the school up Northwest. Yeah, he has to I guess call them. You know, I, I would come up with some absurd name like like the fake Naval Academy because they're on a lake. <laughs> Be like, well, you know, the fake Naval Academy up there. They'd be like, man, Tim Beckman has like syphilis-induced madness. What the hell's wrong with him? Um, it's always a big deal every year when we go up to play Purple, not Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> you know, old West Gary, Indiana, up there. Uh, they've also lost games in excruciating fashion. Wait, are you are you saying having Ron Kellogg throw? 
a Hail Mary to beat them is excruciating because I think it's hilarious. Or, well, the voluptuous Ron Kellogg. <laughs> <laughs> the, the zaftig Ron Kellogg heaving a billowing, glistening ball of football pastry skyward and defeating you. Yes, that hurts. That what hurts. Late, Lane Bryant quarterback of the year. <laughs> Oh my God! Oh. I, I really like is um, it's Northwestern Michigan this week. Two teams that this year have combined for what the four most painful losses in the country, <laughs> and uh, uh, they're gonna they're gonna figure this out amongst themselves somehow. Yeah, I don't know if you saw the the Iowa game, it, but anytime it's seventeen, to, you know it's a magical overtime game if it's seventeen ten at the final. Seventeen ten. That's how. That's how that game ended. Not quite a Buffalo game where they go into five OTs and get to 24, but still. Um, but, yeah, and now they're going to face Michigan, Mich- uh, Michigan State, and Illinois, which, oh, oh, boy. Illinois, Tim Beckman's so excited about that. <laughs> if they're facing, like, if they're right at bowl eligibility, right? Like, just imagine if they somehow win against Michigan Right, and then they lose to Michigan State, and they're sitting there at like five and six, trying to get to six six. And Tim Beckman can interrupt it all. Yeah, this is Tim Beckman. He's been waiting all year to knock off his hated rival. <laughs> you think? You know what? I would respect it if he was like, "Yeah, I hate Darren Ravel too." He's like, "Yeah, you know why I hate Northwestern? Darren Ravel." Every college football fan on the planet would be like, "Damn right, war damn Illini." Now, um, this could all be just, you know, a reaction to the, the Pat Fitzgerald rumors. Anytime there's a there's a rumored coaching vacancy, somebody says, well, this AD knows Pat Fitzgerald or Pat Fitzgerald used to live within three states of there or whatever. And Northwestern fans get extremely defensive about it, like even more than like Baylor or Boise State fans. So maybe this is all just sort of a thing to ensure that like nobody takes him. Our love is different. He doesn't understand money. Well, like, well, sure, he's not going anywhere. He just went five and seven in the Big Ten. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Arkansas might snap him up, which gives me a convenient <laughs> excuse to go ahead and get to our final disaster. Yes. yes. In fact, let's talk about Arkansas, which started this season an astounding 3-0 and against uh, the Raging Cajuns, Samford, and Southern Miss, the worst program in FBS two years running. And since then, since Jen Bielema tweeted, hashtag karma have lost seven straight, some of them quite uncompetitive, um, possibly the worst which, passing offense in FBS. Which, which were the competitive ones? Um, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. the Rutgers game? Rutgers. Yeah, D- Digame. I need to hear this. R- Rutgers. Rutgers by four. Uh, <laughs> Ole Miss by ten. Rutgers. But this is all you really need to know. Current by ten. Current state of Arkansas football, two-game losing streak to Rutgers. That they will probably never get the chance to break. <laughs> no, that's that's eternity right there. <laughs> oh, I don't know. That'll, that'll be a that'll be a Gator Bowl someday, uh, or the worst Sugar Bowl ever. That kiss began with K, and it lasts forever. That's all you need to know. <laughs> Meanwhile, Brett Bielen was like, bought that at a pawn shop. Um, yeah, the, you should also know that. Uh, Back-to-back 52s. I don't know if I've seen a team lose with the 52. It was 52-7 to South Carolina and 52-0 to Alabama. That's the real, like, the great insult there. Like, at least Steve Spurrier being humane was like, yeah, you'll get a touchdown. Go ahead. Take it. You get seven. Nick Saban is like, you shall not pass. <laughs> yeah, Can't believe it, AJ. Can't believe you look Bielema in the eye. He'll get that pig stink on you. I do like that they put up 33 points on Texas A&M because who the hell doesn't put up 33 points on Texas A&M? <laughs> I, you know what? They just That's wanna all. Watch, they just want to watch Johnny play again. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> just get the ball back to him. Just, you know, everything he wants, man. Just get the ball back to him. Um, by the way, how much of this, this is the, the practical football question here. There we go. There we go there. But, like, for Florida fans, we've been trying to figure out how much of this is Will Muschamp's fault? A real step in, in maturity and growth, because previously we just would have fired him. <laughs> um, but how much of this is, is like, 
how much of this is Bielema's fault, i.e., like, is there any reason for them to have any degree of hope going into 2014? Well, he seems to be a decent recruiter. I mean, not up to SEC West standards, but he's shown he can go into Florida. You know, he can recruit a little bit nationally, which you kind of have to do at Wisconsin. Um, so I don't know about hope in 2014, but 2015 maybe. The the definite upside is uh, his 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 gimmick is pulling in ACC quarterback uh, transfers. And hey, that Coker kid who's backing up Jameis Winston at Florida State, he's going to be on the market. So maybe there you go. That's true. Although you know, there's <laughs> a lot of people in the SEC probably use a quarterback now. Maybe a couple of lines. Yeah. Maybe four yeah, or five wide receivers. Drive through Alabama to get. Arkansas, so there goes that idea. <laughs> maybe there's a backup at Georgia Tech or something. <laughs> yes. Maybe, maybe you know, maybe Florida can get another guy from Temple. That seems to be our level right now. We can go grab another Temple quarterback. I um, I wanted to go ahead and now look at. Uh, we have some reader questions to answer before we move on to the games uh, of the week for the week, um, gentlemen. I'm going to uh, give you an opportunity to. Find yours. These are submitted via Twitter to uh, the accounts in question for us. Um, I want to go ahead and uh, and answer this, which is, who does Ed Orgeron hire as his coordinators? You ready? Because this is good. When he takes the Mississippi State job. Oof. Yeah. Dan Mullen. Dan, Dan Mullen. Just, Dan Mullen. <laughs> Dan, Dan Mullen, Mullen, offensive coordinator. Dan Mullen's, Dan Mullen's finally like, pat it! Just, uh, defensive coordinator, Chris Kiffin. Chris Kiffin? Uh, I, I'm going to give you one. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to go back. I'm going to Nick Holt. He's picking up Nick Holt. That's who, I'm, I'm trying to think of some dude who's like, defenses allow like 500 yards a game, who just keeps getting jobs. Nick Holt? Sounds like you, man. So, yeah, I think that's the staff. And, uh, by the way, you want to know where Trooper's coming back? <laughs> Klinga! <laughs> trooper, Trooper to Klinga. That's how this ends. Will he just, will he like duct tape a cowbell to his towel? Uh, <laughs> that seems really dangerous. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't mean he won't do it. Can the NCAA afford to have a branch office in Starkville? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Real estate's not a problem. It's just acreage. NCAA could build a compound there. They really want to set up a webcam. (laughs) I saw that. (laughs) Move it to the side. (laughs) Troopers out there just throwing (laughs) throwing bags of euros. Um, Yeah, that's 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 my question. That's how I'm going to answer it. I think I do have one other one I want to answer here, which I've sort of found fascinating, uh, which is as an Illini and alum and fan. I can't even handle this joke. I don't even know if that's a question, but uh, yeah, yeah. But you know what? My sympathies to you, dude. And remember, beat Northwestern. The new mon- the new mantra of Illinois football, <laughs> and that fake Naval Academy up on Lake Michigan. That's really we- all that matters. Ryan, you uh, have your question. Yeah, uh, let's go with. Okay, this is this is a fairly standard question, but I like it. Uh, w- this question is: What is the optimal time for a college football kickoff? Hmm. And you know, I think uh, let's let's assume, for the sake of humanity, that we're talking about something in the SEC region, because there are like a no good times that it looks like to be at a Michigan game, for instance. They all just sort of look sort of miserable and sad, sort of like you live yeah. three, not not right next to a factory, but three blocks away from the factory. And the factory yeah. makes negative running plays. Uh, I think the ideal kickoff time for me, being uh, an SEC fan, is I like 3.30 because you get that good hint of infernal heat and then the transition into night, because there's no better feeling than when the sun just goes right over the lip of the stadium and everyone goes, oh, God, I'm not going to die of heat stroke. Oh, my God, thank you. So I, I like 3.30 games. Big fan of those. I like games that, that end nice and early so I can get the fuck to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> just, 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 oh, oh, man, Jason. 
I'll tell you what, I do like this time of year when it gets cold out west, so they can't do that midnight kickoff bullshit. And they got, you know, the late, the late game kicks off at like 10. That's fine. I can hang with that. That's fine. Yeah, so, you, uh, if they, pre-10. If they, you, you like it when the, the mountain pass might freeze over, right? Like that's when, the, because when they're like, oh man, we got to kick early. Why? <laughs> yeah. Uh, before, you know. before the wolves come out. Yeah. Exactly. Like, well, I don't know. Those mountain lines are active tonight, you know? The bridge over the pass is out. Before so, the snow people emerge. <laughs> before, before, before the bikers and snow people start getting to, getting to the lit women and children. I do like the 3.30 just because, you know, you, you, you're, you're still nice and fresh. You still, you know, you don't feel like you've endured an entire day of college football yet. Um, you've, you've gotten the Big Ten ACC bullshit out of the way, you know, and, and you feel like you're, you're at your peak, your peak watchability. And uh, it's usually a bigger game, and you you do get the nice the nice time transition thing where by the fourth quarter it's dark and everything feels really dangerous and and uh and stakes high, you know. Yeah, I, I think I'd vote for the three thirty. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna differ. I'm gonna say I prefer the noon kickoff, and here's why. Uh, first of all, if things go this is totally a pessimist perspective, but if things go really 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 badly. Like I don't know, you lose to Vanderbilt by seventeen mm-hmm. during yeah, just, a, just just an example. Yeah, dur- uh, uh, during your homecoming game, uh, first home loss since I don't know. We were fighting countries that no longer exist. No, but, in, in front of like multiple five star recruits. Yeah, a so lot like, of them. Yeah. Okay. Say that happened, but if it happens at noon, there's enough time left in the day for everybody else to focus on other ugly things that happened. You've you've fucked up early enough in the day that you won't be the focal point anymore. Man. Yeah, and you're, and you're also not losing late enough that people wake up to the mess right. you've left. Right. Yeah, and also on an emotional level, man, losing really late at night, you go to bed and wake up and you're like, oh, maybe that didn't happen. Oh, no. It, it, it's sort of like hitting a car in a parking lot, but then somebody else hits that car, so you can say, oh, well, I didn't do all that. <laughs> Ma'am, here's my card. Just hand her like your old Smoothie King bonus card. You know? That's uh, I I really uh, I really do also. By the way, occasionally love the completely bonkers uh, bonkers like ten o'clock, eleven o'clock click kick occasionally. Oh yeah, no, I I I I know I'm alone in that. I don't want to argue for that. It's any normality whatsoever. But uh, occasionally, it's very nice to like. Look up. It's one thirty or two in the morning, and you're watching some obese Hawaiian man talk about a player who's actually not that good. You were you you were raised by raccoons, though. We should point out. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. We're on some we're on some Tennessee shit here. Uh, now, how about so, the uh, the random like ten forty five a.m. service academy game? Because <laughs> like those what? dudes have to get to like drills at noon. <laughs> they, they, they have to go learn how to operate nuclear weapons. Or because it's being played in Iceland or something. Yeah, exactly. Like like when Notre Dame goes over and they're like, oh, pay, we're going to pay tribute to the old sod. And Irish people are like, fuck off. You know, like that. <laughs> um, but I, I do like those games because you get to see like one one dude who just wanted to go see a football game but didn't have anything college football related. So he's just wearing like a Chicago Bulls jersey. Yeah. <laughs> Like yeah, this is my American outfit. There we go. It's like when Europeans dress up for Halloween. Everyone's a witch. <laughs> Everyone's a witch. Uh, it, Jason, do you have a question from the readers you'd like to answer? Uh, they're all about Toledo. Okay, that's good. Because uh, in in <laughs> and that's just the ones I, I'm uh, really eyeing in in general. Uh, all about Toledo. It's a big Toledo night. Um, so, you know, one one question is, uh, how many touchdowns would Toledo beat Michigan by? Uh, another is, could Michigan reach minus 200 rushing yards against Toledo? I sense a vengeful theme. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of Toledo and Michigan going on here. Um, so, well, so, Ak- Ak- Akron is dollar store Toledo, so. <laughs> Which, wow. <laughs> yeah. There's always, yeah. remember, there's. There's always somebody uh, who couldn't get into your uh, your end of life like drunken hospice for alcoholics, right? Like, it no matter how low you go, 
there's somebody living below you. But doesn't that mean by definition there has to be somebody out there who's at the very who is at the bottom? Nope, turtles all the way down, just loops oh, right back. It's mm-hmm. the wor- it's some sort of terrifying Ouroboros. Unless yeah, unless we're talking about uh, unless we're talking about Akron football, I'll give Akron the bottom. Let's start there. Poor poor Akron. Uh, looking ahead, by the way, to uh, to this week's games, because it's it, let's be frank, it's it's not really the the best possible schedule. Not a whole lot of interest out there. Um, we do. We, I mean, there's there's some stuff. Like for instance, if you're interested in in Tim Beckman's big moment, it's not this weekend because they're playing Ohio State. Yeah. Yeah. And well, I- uh, please. Oh well, uh, you know, just speaking of the three thirty slot, let me let me just run down this three thirty slot for you: Georgia, Auburn, Oklahoma State, Texas, Michigan State, Nebraska, Miami, Duke. Duke could beat Miami. Could could. Uh, Florida, Florida, <laughs> uh, and Florida State is scrimmaging. Yeah, Florida State on their uh, fifth scrimmage of the year. I think they've got two left on their schedule at least, counting uh, Florida, which you know they're on hiatus this year. Doing a little remodeling, pushing things around. I like bless this mess or excuse our progress. Really, Will Muschamp should just get that tattooed on his forehead. Because he'll do, he'll do it the wrong. He'll do it. He'll do it in the mirror so it won't read the right way. <laughs> no, that's how it's supposed to be. Selb, what? What does that mean? I am what my forehead says I am. <laughs> that says you're illiterate. Okay, go dogs. Yeah, I picture him going way too deep with that needle, like piercing all the dermises <laughs> and cutaneouses and just <laughs> completely injecting himself with ink. How did your coach die of a bone infection? <laughs> well, sorry. I got well, ink brain. <laughs> would, would we notice? <laughs> you see, his brain swelled to twice its normal size. He lost function of most of his frontal lobes. Well, I'll be damned. He's it's pretty much actually the perfect alligator coach because, you know, you can blow an alligator's head off and it just keeps functioning. That's Will Muschamp. Just boomstick him. He'd be like, ow! I think we need to run on first down. Hasn't affected him at all. Just <laughs> same man right there. Um, I, I'm a big fan, by the way, of, uh, of the, the early slate because um, – it's just uniformly sort of bad all the way down. I like that. Let's me know what I could just utterly skip and schedule while I'm folding clothes and doing what you do in the 12 o'clock shift. But uh, 3.30, you're correct. 3.30, get some good stuff going. I am totally going to watch that uh, that Duke-Miami game because my, Duke is playing the best shoestring football of any team in the nation right now. They have zero <laughs> ambition. They have no shame. Like I think if they had to punt on third down, it wouldn't be like when Florida would do it because we'd lost track of the downs. They're doing it on purpose. Just that's uh, cool. Just got a hunch. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, we, we did a lot of we did a lot on those first two downs. Might be winded. <laughs> should go ahead and kick. Man's reach should not exceed his grasp. <laughs> what are, we, are you guys playing a prevent in the first quarter? <laughs> hey, hey, that's not a prevent. We're just making sure nothing gets behind us. <laughs> we just don't like to. We're claustrophobic. And claustrophobic. We, you know, we got to make them. You know, you def, you, uh, spread offense makes you defend every bit of the field. The defense should do the same. Just spread yeah, everybody out. <laughs> just turn the tables. I'll make you defend everything back forty yards. Let's <laughs> try to get through that. Uh, Alabama, Mississippi State. I did not know this. Mississippi State has played Alabama more than any other school. So. Just know that when you look at Alabama and you're like, hmm, how much of that sausage is filler? A lot of it's Mississippi State over like a hundred years. So a pretty good amount of it's filler, actually. Are you yeah, saying Mississippi State is mattress stuffing? I'm saying they're, uh, I'm saying they're the head cheese. Okay. Surrounding the chunks of guanciale and other fine porks that are then stuffed into a tube. That's pretty much the SEC, right? Like, large chunks of the stuff scraped off of a slaughterhouse's floor and then surrounded with chunks of Alabama and LSU. Yeah, sure. 
Sure. I like <laughs> That's a disgusting metaphor. I'll take it. That's exactly um, what I've always said. Also, also that night, uh, I'll say this. USC uh, playing host to Stanford, currently number four. If USC wins this game, it will be very hard for them not to give Ed Orger on the head coaching job. <laughs> that's, that's so good. <laughs> Why stop there? Let's say USC uh, wins the Rose Bowl. Sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> USC wins the Rose Bowl. Suddenly, yeah. we're looking at... Uh... Texas bidding war. <laughs> So you're looking at Ed Orgeron. How much food is he going to have to buy? Because remember, the great secret I've determined of Ed Orgeron's success as coach as in the interim has been catering. Right. Yeah. Go go get that touchdown for cookie cake, boys. <laughs> That's all he's done. He's like, okay, well, I'm not going to be Lane Kiffin. Half the job there. The other half is, oh, boys, it's cronut time. Cronut. That is actually a very effective approach to management because everybody automatically likes the boss who brings donuts in better than the boss who doesn't, regardless of all other factors. The company could be hemorrhaging money. You could be laying off people left and right. But, hey, Friday's donuts time. Oh, he's bringing he's bringing like, you know, in and out. He's bringing uh, he's bringing some quality food in. And and I'm really starting to think that like um, the more you work in a large group environment, the more you should just sort of treat everyone like dogs. Oh boy, you want to treat bad, bad? Like that's really all Ed Orgeron's doing. Yeah, and not, and not dogs like you know the traditional um, expression. You know, not like beating them and throwing them in the streets, but treating no, them no, like I mean, American I, street dogs, well, giving yeah. them food that's kind of bad for them, and you know. Uh, just having them run around whenever they feel like it and uh, maybe beat Arizona by 40 points. Maybe that's what Ed Orgeron's doing. He's in some sort of fugue state where he's just confused his players for actual dogs. He's like, man, you know, defensive tackle's getting a little fat. He's like, oh, that's okay. He only going to live seven years anyway. Hey, large breed. Large breed dog. They don't live very long. I'm a good boy. I'm a good boy. <laughs> Ed just read the dog whisper and he's like, be a strong alpha. Give treats. That's it. It's actually working, which is the best thing ever. Because you know, like, Nick Saban probably has, like, 23 bound volumes of the human soul that he's compiled over his vast experiences as a head coach. And Ed Orgeron's just got, like, some really soft-ass dog training book up there. And it's, he's and they're both doing just fine. Um, another uh, game of note on here that uh, I think we should pay some attention to because we're, we're heading, by the way, towards a possible Todd Gramalips, Todd Gramalips, Todd Gramalips. The Gramining. The Gramining, yes, thank you. Uh, the, the Gramageddon. The Gram Gramageddon. Uh, we're heading toward it because you're looking at uh, Todd Graham mm, could win the Pac-12. Could happen. Could get to the championship game. And then Todd Graham can win the Pac-12. And then you have Todd Graham in the Rose Bowl, the funniest of all scenarios to me because, you know, he'd face a Big Ten team and waste them. And then he'd probably become that Big Ten team's coach. Well, I like that you would have Todd Graham's family versus Urban Meyer's family, both noted family men. <laughs> Assume they would uh, go, go on a joint family dinner and lots of good family time. I just want to watch them introduce their children and struggle for the names. Yeah. <laughs> Todd Graham. The, the, one of them, one of them successfully names three kids and the other one just copies those names. <laughs> <laughs> this is Todd. Yeah, that sounds good. This is Todd Jr., Lisa, and, uh, and, uh, Urban Butter Tray. <laughs> well, that's funny. This is Todd. The kids are just sitting there. I hate you so much. Just glued to their phones. Texted them like, bring the oxy over now. I'm not gonna make it through dinner. Jesus. I, uh, but that's, I, I'm, I'm just intrigued by that because it's an appalling scenario for the Big Ten. Cause you know, by the way, there's a decorum if they get up on a Rose Bowl team. Todd Graham's not gonna pack it in. Oh no, third quarter, they're throwing deep. Up by 28. 
Yeah, yeah he'll that, he'll that he'll that. he'll be bleaching his hair on the sideline while they do it too. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, I'm getting I'm getting streaks, Gakieri style. <laughs> How about some donkey sauce for you there, huh? Uh, Minnesota, Big Ten champions, Minnesota. I don't even know if that. I don't even know if that can happen. Uh, I believe they were ruled out a few weeks ago. Oh! They were in it for a, an embarrassing while. <laughs> you know that's a shame because because that that's like one of the Big Ten teams I would totally root for if they were yeah. in this bowl. The, the Big Ten's funnest team, most lovable team, um, sneakily talented team. Iowa. In addition to Iowa. Are we talking about Iowa? I would would like to point out, Spencer, you infamously said Iowa was going to win eight games this this season. I did. They are off this week. They have two games left against Michigan at home and Nebraska on the road. And the most Iowa way to get to eight wins would would be to beat those two fan bases right now. And, uh... They're going to do it. Yeah, I think they might. There's, there's no way this isn't happening. They'll be like, they only threw for 18 yards combined in those two games, but they won. Would it be possible to actually look at Iowa's record? We, I mean, we should do this at the end of the season. Don't pay too much attention to their box scores. I want to look through Iowa's record and just list, give me the passing yards, and I will tell you whether they won simply by not picking the uh, scores where they actually passed. So it was like 32 yards. I'm like, they won by 28. Yeah. 196 yards. Oh, God, they didn't do well. Yeah. Oh. That's way too many. That's what Kirk Ferentz is like, shit, 200 passing yards. That's a death knell for us. <laughs> we threw it 18 times. <laughs> God, what is this, the air raid? God. That's, uh, although if it were Greg Davis, you're like, oh, we threw it 64 times for 73 yards. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you, you. I'm I'm looking at it right now, and you actually can play this game absolutely. Yeah, wait. Let's let's play it right now. Okay. Um. Uh, so I'm I'm gonna I'm not gonna go in order because that'll give it away. I'm gonna skip around. Okay. Passing line number one. Uh, fifteen for fifteen of twenty five for two hundred eighteen yards. Loss. Loss. That was a win mm. over Minnesota. That was a win. I don't even know you anymore. Okay. Uh. Let's go with 26 of 46 for 200. Loss. loss. Oh, that's a loss. Yeah, yeah, that was the loss to Michigan State. Uh, lastly, let's go with 14 of 23 for 160 yards. Mm, I'm going to go with a win. I think that's a win as well. Yeah, yeah, that was a six-point win over Iowa State. <laughs> you no, know, that's optimal. Like, mm, <laughs> beautiful. Just, just barely above 50%. Yeah. Yeah. Averaging about what six point two yards, six six yards a catch. Yeah, that's about that's some Kirk Ferentz ball right there because you got to convert third and six because you ran on the first two downs. You got to leave a little for the Lord, <laughs> the, the corn lord, the corn the corn lord who is a giant piece of corn, <laughs> or his and Kirk Ferentz's agent and a damn good one at that because <laughs> Kirk Ferentz still thinks. Way more money than he should. Oh, hey, look, uh, Ryan, Florida plays. Uh, Florida plays South Carolina. Why are we talking about this? Yeah, look at that. Yeah, look at that. There. Yeah, it's it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be sporting. Um, I have heard some talk that Tyler Murphy might not even be healthy enough to play. Oh, he's not. No, no, no. So, There's no way he's gonna play. So we're going with uh, Mornerweg's kid. Is that right? We Skyler. Good. <laughs> Good. Um, so yeah. So if you live in the northeastern corridor, if you are a lonely child who would like to play quarterback, and if you are uh, immune to internet criticism from people named uh, Bruce who work at a golf course but don't own the golf course, uh, come play quarterback for Florida because that that's what we have. Sounds like oh, a deal. Shit. Why don't you guys try it? Hey, you know, hey, if it's so easy, why don't you do it? <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's, again, my favorite. I really hope someday I get the opportunity to watch a person pull from the stands and put under center. No, oh, but you realize, given you you went to Florida, you know that there's some frat dude, some pike probably, who is going to get drunk 
and bang on the athletic department doors and be like, let me play! I'll fucking chuck that shit! Why would... Yes. And oh my god, I so want to see it. (laughs) It would be amazing! Uh, There's another game on the schedule here, by the way, that that, uh, we should take brief note of. Jason Kirk. Yes, I was going (laughs) UCF Temple. No, Uh, a little ACC matchup with uh, Jason Kirk's favorite uh, nincompoop, Dabo Swinney, Uh, Georgia Tech at Clemson. My my beloved Dabo Swinney. (laughs) Beloved. The uh, the every single year this game's on a Thursday night. Um, it's it's not really clear whether these teams hate each other or if they just have to play each other, but uh, they're coaches. I kind of see the situation where Dabo, you know, he sort of wants to hang out with Paul Johnson. Like he, he's he's the one coach who doesn't get get that Grandpa doesn't want anybody around. <laughs> hey, buddy, how you doing? Feeling a little down? Love is a lie. Let me sing you a Dabo song. <laughs> I'm gonna go hunting. What are you hunting? Nothing. Dabo. <laughs> That's it. Killing feelings. <laughs> what are you? What are you what are you here to do, Grandpa? Drink. That's it. What, just What is Clemson playing for at this point? Uh, Doesn't yeah. it sort of just not matter for the rest of the year? <laughs> I mean they're pretty much a lot to go to the Orange Bowl no matter <laughs> what they do. So might as well rest up for that. I guess. I guess. You know, like Taj Boyd probably, you know. Football's a good way to stay in shape. Right? <laughs> oh man, I'm I'm really worried about Taj Boyd showing up to the combine. Like, oh. <laughs> be like, well, Taj, you said you said to order you a large, and be like, I I know, but you need to give me the extra large. I look, for, I my, I can't feel my arms. You need to give me the extra large. Todd Boyd, and uh, at this point, we're gonna need to just see you in your compression shorts. Do what? <laughs> I prefer to think of Todd Boyd's body type as classic. He just looks like a, he looks like a quarterback from the seventies, like right before they did all this sprinting. <laughs> when quarterbacks got fit by uh, by basically quarterbacks like men. quarterbacks got fit by going to the Orange Julius in the mall. <laughs> you know, like what are you doing? Well, I got some sunflower seeds. I'm going to Orange Julius, and uh, I got this little springy thing for my chest. <laughs> What if what if he what if he does his whole combine workout in a garbage bag? <laughs> My, I love it. Or if he did it in like the if he did it in some sort of uh, absurd weight loss suit that you can buy, right? right like no. the, like the like the solar paneled one, right? Yeah. That, that's what I'm talking about. We're trying to make we're, trying to make like weight he, for states. I don't want to wrestle. Like he runs his forty in shape ups. <laughs> Like man, the best part is if if Taj Boyd went in and like he's already a step ahead, and if he's gone in and got listen, I need you to make me as fat and fast as possible. And they're like what? He's like, no man, I'm reclaiming the male form. Here's what I need you to do. We're gonna train me to be as fast for 40 yards as possible, and if I run 41, I'll explode. But I need to be as huge as possible. And they're like, yeah, dude, he weighed 340, but he ran like a four six. He moved. That's amazing. He's like, he, he's like the ableist Jamarcus. It's amazing. Like um, the, the the thing is, you know, I think we all like Taj Boyd. Clearly, a good football player, good at what he does, going to be successful. But he's oh, a little bit husky, and I think we all really enjoy that yeah, about him. That, phrase, that's the, that's the, absolutely part of why I like him. I, I know. Love to that. The phrase the phrase is tends to bloat. You know, some of us some of us have eight beers in a night. And, you know, we, we, you still look like Brad Pitt, right? Um, yes, we all have I, that problem here. That's I, I, definitely I, three of us. I need thick role models. Yeah, exactly. I need thick role models because I have two beers in a night, and I instantly look like uh, Rain Wilson with a kidney disease. <laughs> so when we see Taj doing it, we sort of think, that could be me. If only I was 800 times as good an athlete. And understood more than like three things about football. That could be me. That could be that could be all of us, man. Todd Boyd is out there working for the common man who can run a four six and throw a ball like nine hundred miles. He really should learn how to play the guitar. Release an album. 
working man songs. Work, working man songs about, you know, pants that don't fit anymore, right? <laughs> about getting mad that your wife washed them on, uh, you know, washed them on the high cycle because you know, they don't quite fit. It's not a sexist statement. My wife just happens to do the laundry and I do the dishes, okay? It's a modern division of labor. Plus, I destroy clothing. Uh, anything else on the schedule that uh, catches your eye? Um, uh, I guess Washington, UCLA. Oh, man. No. Kicks off at damn 9 o'clock on a Friday. Yeah. That, yeah. That, yeah, that feels like the oh. game I'll ignore and then I'll wake up and be like, damn, UCLA lost by 30. That's crazy. Uh, th- this does feel like a like UCLA just completely coming off the rails, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, both these teams are capable of a rail offening. This is when they do it, though. You know, because cause they just pulled off the weird-ass Miles Jack game mm-hmm. where they took a linebacker and he ran for 120 yards on, like, six carries. Yeah, I could see either of these teams losing by 30. <laughs> you know you know what game this is? This is the game where Brett Hundley gets hurt, not seriously, but has to leave the game. We get three and a half quarters of Jerry Neuheisel. <laughs> that could happen. Oh. And, he, and you know what? His dad will call him and be like, Jerry, I love you, but I need you to throw this one for me. <laughs> or they just pan to the stands and it's Neuheisel with his nylon string guitar in the stands, playing a mournful tune, remembering when he was but a babe in his arms. Gary, I got Washington straight up. I need you to throw this one for me. All right? We're going to we're gonna lose the house. <laughs> he still lives. He still lives in the stands. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Although, I will say this. He named him Jerry, which, uh, which that's kind of weird. Nobody's named Jerry anymore. There's like him and Jerry Kill, and uh, that's it. Well, you know, Rick's a funny guy. Yeah, you know, you know, names like what it would be like Jerry and uh, his other son Dick and uh, Leslie Morty Newheisel. Yeah, Morty Newheisel. <laughs> Morty. I was trying the other other sort of '60s names we can give Artie. him. Artie. This here is Monk. His 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 three sons are actually named Jerry, Jack, and Joe. Wow. Yeah. The Pet Boys? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what? Jerry, Jerry's the one who looks like the Pringles guy. Because <laughs> he's, he's the salty one. 